Are you looking for something different to entertain your kids? Check out a new podcast for children. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, is a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. Math is geared towards kids six and up, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. I love how the episodes are under 20 minutes, which was perfect for our drive to school. And my four-year-old really loved the episode, The Pirate Queen. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and so much more. New episodes drop every Thursday, and I love how engaging, funny, and educational the episodes are. Your kids won't even realize they're learning about math and problem solving. My son even said he wanted to finish the episode on our drive home from school. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. So you're going to apply different sorts of techniques based upon what the current situation is and your knowledge of your child, because there are going to be some kids that timeouts would work really well for. There are going to be other kids who timeouts are not necessarily going to work for. It's not that you apply blindly. You have to sort of use it judiciously. Welcome back to the Pete's Doc Talk podcast, a podcast that continues to grow because of you and your reviews, a podcast where I get to welcome the most amazing guests to chat about all things parenting, child health, child development, and parental mental health. Today's guest is a three-time guest on this show because I just love her so much, Dr. Jenica Engler, a development neuropsychologist, clinical scientist, and mom. And she was on the show before talking about reward systems and also about praise. But she's joining me today to talk about our time out in parenting. Thank you so much for joining me again, Dr. Jenica. As always, happy to clear up some of the very popular misconceptions about some of these things that are going around on social media. Yeah, well, I love talking to you because you have the experience of being a developmental neuropsychologist, clinical scientist. You obviously are practicing and doing research, all of this stuff. You're a mom as well. So you provide such a balanced perspective, which if you listen to our episode about praise, balanced perspectives are so important in parenting and everything that we do. For everyone who may not be familiar with who you are, tell us more about yourself and um, what you do as a developmental neuropsychologist and clinical scientist. Yes. So I am a licensed psychologist specializing in pediatrics with an extra subspecialty in developmental neuropsychology, meaning that I am considered an expert in child development and the assessment of various neurodevelopmental disorders, as well as evidence-based treatment modalities for both children and adults as well. And then much of my research surrounds mood disorders, anxiety, PTSD, borderline personality, all sorts of fun stuff there. So I get the clinical side of things through my training and clinical work. And then now I'm more oriented in research. So it's been nice because I get to sort of see both sides of sort of how things come together, which is really nice. Yeah, and I didn't even mention it, but besides all that education, you are on social media debunking misinformation and providing yeah. nuance and balance. So it's like a part-time <laughs> job over there too. <laughs> it is, it is. And so I sort of bring the heat in my stories mostly where I will call out yeah. various parenting and pop psychology misinformation that are making the rounds and, you know, kind of keeping things spicy over there because uh, <laughs> unfortunately nuance can be sort of basic and boring. But yeah, you uh, uh, well, I know 
we've talked, like I said, about reward systems and praise, which are two things already that are kind of lacking nuance on the social media space. And I really wanted to chat with you about timeouts today and this idea that timeouts are out, that you cannot do them, we can't have them, that they're harming our children. And I believe that there's so much, again, lack of understanding of timeouts. I do believe that a lot of parents are not doing timeouts correctly, but also that there is an understanding that it is actually a useful tool in our tool belt. So what is the deal with timeouts? What have you heard about why they're ruining our children? And then let's talk about why they're actually not. (laughs) Sure. So with the more recent gentle parenting movement, there has been vilification really of timeouts as uh, they are being really vilified for quote unquote ruining attachment or quote unquote causing trauma. <laughs> like mm-hmm. all these things that there is absolutely no evidence that points to any of this. In fact, all of the research, which is we have decades and hundreds and hundreds of studies, show the exact opposite. But it sort of doesn't feel good for a lot of parents to put their kids in timeout sometimes. Yeah. So I think a lot of folks sort of look at it as essentially crying it out, but instead of for sleep training, your behavior training, right? Right, right. And so I think it goes hand in hand with the backlash against sort of cried out and sleep training, where, you know, now that everything needs to be validated and acknowledged and everything is about connecting with your kid and anything that goes wrong, you have to have more connections. That's what gentle parenting and conscious and respectful parenting all say, you know, timeout is really being vilified as like, well, we only used that because we were trying to get people to stop beating their kids. And it's like, okay, guys, like this is Mm. a a bit extreme, right? Yes. Use of timeout, certainly along with other positive parenting techniques, sort of emerged as a way to promote parents not to use yelling or corporal punishment, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not effective and that they're not safe. But you did touch upon a really important point, which is that studies actually have shown that most parents who are using timeouts are not doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also the other problem is that timeouts in general are getting a bad rap because there are so many folks who actually don't know how to do a timeout properly. Yeah. They never seek consultation onto what they were doing. They were just told, oh, you're being naughty. Go sit on the naughty chair. Like they use it in a punitive or very shaming way. Mm-hmm. And that is actually not a good way to do timeouts because it literally is sort of going against what the whole premise of timeout is, which is really to be used as a way to take time and space to calm down. Because right. when you are extremely dysregulated, learning cannot happen, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're not able to calm down, you're not going to be able to learn from that moment. And that's what discipline means, like to teach essentially. You don't want to, you know, use it as a way to shame or do it in an angry way. It's something where it's really the object is to help calm your body down, to regain control. And then you are in a position where you can actually learn from that situation. And that's, I think, what sort of is getting missed because everybody's like, oh, well, you're sending a child away. They don't have self-soothing capacity at this age. And it's hard because people think that all kids are the same and blanket statements are, are something that can be used, you know, very generally. And I think that's the sort of nuance that gets lost here is that, you know, there's a balance to using timeouts. And I'll talk yeah. more about the circumstances under which you should use timeouts and how often to use timeouts and things like that as well. 
Yeah, I agree with this. And especially what you just mentioned about that no two kids are the same, which is why I think timeouts can be a useful tool. Just out of curiosity, do you all use timeouts? So I actually have not had yes, we have not either. Yes. So here's what I really want everybody to know is that there yeah. are so many strategies you can mm-hmm. use before you need to get to timeouts. So Correct. timeouts are not something that, I mean, I don't think anybody out there is advocating like X, Y, and Z happens. Use a timeout. Like that's not how. Well, I will say, I will say though, like in training, like in residency training, a lot of what we learned is timeout first. And that actually is something that I changed as I started to learn more about behavior modification and stuff like that. So I think there is, there is a lot of old school clinicians Hmm. and stuff that are talking about timeouts being first line. I'm being honest. So I think that that's super interesting. So, yeah. um, so I think that's important that I've heard it and I've seen it. And I also was like, Hmm, I don't really like timeout. Like meaning I was trained there, but then as I got through my career, I was like, I think there's other ways that we can approach this, you know? So I think there is a cultural, maybe generational sort of I understanding. Mean, yeah, generational yeah, understanding maybe, for sure. And maybe I it's think like that reflects we, a yeah. very early sort of teaching of timeout. Yes. And over time, yes. like with most things, we sort of refine our techniques based upon the literature and what we find works and doesn't work over time because a very hardcore timeout approach, I mean, yes, it can be effective, but is it necessary? Usually not. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think the most important piece that sometimes gets missed here is that you're never really using timeouts in isolation, right? right? In isolation, I don't mean that you're not actually isolating the kid because that actually is an important component of doing a proper timeout is that you do need to remove proximity and attention you know, from the parent to the child, there needs to be that separation there. But what I mean is that you're not using an isolation from other positive parenting techniques. Mm-hmm. So the way that I look at the timeouts, it's really like a pyramid. So, and this is a balanced approach to discipline that I sort of, you know, espouse across the board. And this falls in line with most of the various evidence-backed parenting approaches as well. So when you are thinking about various discipline methods, Think about like almost like the old school food pyramid, right? We're dating ourselves here. Mm -hmm. So the base of the discipline hierarchy is going to be that one-to-one attention and connection building, right? So that's the piece where positive parenting and gentle parenting overlap, right? We both want you to have great connection one-to-one time with your kid, right? Because if you have that one-to-one attention time, you're giving them attention for, you know, positive behaviors, chances are they're less likely going to be seeking attention from you for negative behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. That's the foundation. You're going to want to use that the most. Then the next level up from that is catching the positives. This is where praise and rewards can come in. So what we talked about on our last podcast with, you know, using process-oriented praise for, you know, learning new things or difficult things, you can even use, you know, rewards judiciously, of course. Um, And then after that, the next trip is natural consequences, natural, logical consequences. Oh, we can't go outside until you put your shoes on. Oh, you don't want to put your shoes on? You can't go outside. <laughs> natural consequences. And then at the very top of the pyramid, that's where you're going to find the timeouts or for some folks, time ins, right? And so we have a lot less support for time ins. But the reason why I'm saying this is that every child is different and every situation is also different because the function of behavior can change, right? So there might be something that's quote unquote attention seeking versus something 
they're trying to get access to a, a tangible sort of thing. And that's the function of the behavior, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to apply different sorts of techniques based upon what the current situation is and your knowledge of your child. Because there are going to be some kids that timeouts would work really well for. There are going to be other kids who timeouts are not necessarily going to work for. It's not right. that you apply blindly. You have to sort of use it judiciously and to, you know, really, because the other thing here is that if you aren't comfortable using them and you're not able to be consistent, it's going to backfire. It's actually going to make things worse. So I would actually, yeah. in that case, don't use them at all. Right. Find another method, right? So that like hierarchy of discipline methods, that's the most important thing, right? Because when you take timeouts out of the equation, it takes out an important part of the parenting toolkit for some families and parents, because there are some kids who really struggle to learn, you know, some of these basic self-regulatory processes, as well as sort of behavior modification without them, you know, especially neurodiverse kids, for example, we already know that like these gentle parenting techniques do not work for a lot of neurodiverse kids and they actually can make it worse for some of those folks. So there is no one size fits all approach to parenting. And I think that's what really ends up being ultimately missed in this conversation when you vilify this, because the other thing here is that almost every single evidence-based parenting program includes timeouts. So we're talking triple P, parent-child interaction therapy, the incredible years, helping a non-compliant child, parent management training, organ model, like all of these various evidence-based approaches, they all have some component of timeout, but it's also done in the proper way, which is a time and space for both parties, parent and child, to calm down. And that way you can actually reprogram the brain to be in a more optimal space for learning to happen, which is ultimately your goal with any form of discipline. You want them to learn from that experience and, you know, do things differently next time. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, Never Frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper 
Diaper Rash, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball, let sit for 15 seconds, and then apply our balm or ointment of choice. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews, you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC. That's P-E-D-S-D-O-C. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Yeah, we already touched upon the how parents have misinterpreted timeouts and how they're be, I, I do see it being done largely incorrectly. I mean, when I talk to parents on what they're doing with the timeout and we already mentioned, you know, like almost like threats and yelling and pulling the child into a timeout. I mean, I've heard it all. I've seen it all. I've actually seen family members do things that I'm like, oh, yeah. I totally am on board with a timeout, but that is not how we want to do it. Like, I'm literally like, oh yeah. my gosh, do I say something? Some of it's and I, very, some of it's very uh, cringe. Yeah. I mean, I have seen timeouts like you need, if you don't finish your dinner, you're getting a timeout. If you, I'm like, wait, that makes no sense. Exactly. Example of oh how to gosh. not use a timeout. Like it's like, not appropriate what? to use a timeout. <laughs> so let's talk about that because yeah, I, that is one example of I've seen and I've heard like the, if you don't finish your meal, you're getting a timeout, which is obviously not how timeouts work. So let's talk about that because I think that'll tie in a little bit of research too, but what is the best way and maybe use one example and also a uh, situations that you do not want to kind of use them in. Yeah. So I like to reserve timeouts for those situations where emotions are so heightened that you need to actually take a break to calm down. Or if there's a safety concern, right? So let's say you have two siblings and one is hitting the other. You need to actually separate them. So, you know, the child who's doing the hitting in that case, okay, your body seems a little out of control right now. We've got to go calm ourselves down. I understand you really wanted that toy, but you can't hit your brother. Let's, you know, take a moment here to take a little break and then we'll talk after. Sometimes you, and again, I'm a bit overly verbal here with many aspects of timeout. You do not want to be this overly verbal. You don't want to over talk it to death. And that's actually another aspect of gentle parenting sometimes that definitely backfires. So like you sometimes, again, it depends on the child's age, developmental level and why you're putting them in timeout. Because if it's for an attention seeking behavior, you obviously want to give you know, less attention, like I'm hitting you in the face because you're giving me a big response and a big reaction. Okay. Sort of downplay. You want to, you know, be neutral. You want to be boring. Okay. Let's go to timeout. You're hitting 
you're a little out of control, it's calmer bodies will, you know, come back in a, when we're calm. So in the cases where I would absolutely, you know, not want to see, or like the big tantrums, right? Like those tantrums, those knockdown drag out tantrums where the child's already gone over the cliff. Like you can't bring right. them back because once they've gone into full blown tantrum, you just got to ride the wave a lot of the times, right? Yeah. Like well, I feel like that's so much to, of this. Like, yeah. and it's like, yeah, I feel like, I mean, I think if everyone realizes it's waiting it out and not joining the chaos. Like exactly. literally not giving the time. Right. And right. that's what I've actually noticed with my own daughter as well. Yeah. Is that, you know, when she gets to a certain point, the best thing I can do is to be quiet and not yes. say anything. Don't keep verbalizing. It, oh, yeah. it yeah. breaks my heart because yeah. I mean, this is already after I've validated her emotions. I've, yes. you know, sort of really tried to sort of join with her. And it's like, all right, well, I've, I've done the bottom of my pyramid and I'm like, all right, now we're going up to the next steps, which natural consequence right now is I can't even respond because I'm starting to get out of control. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And I'm realizing I'm like, well, that's actually best for her as well is sometimes to say less and to say nothing in some circumstances because it can just sort of instigate it and make it worse. So like those are the sort of scenarios where, I mean, for my daughter in particular, it doesn't last very long, but there are some toddlers where it lasts very long. They have a mm-hmm. very hard time self-regulating. I mean, I've been working with my daughter on self-regulation since she was like a baby practically. So, you know, she is able to generally self-regulate pretty well. But of course, yeah. all toddlers have times when they can't. Those are the times when you can use time out because that's actually some of the time where it's going to be most beneficial because just like with adults, there are some kids who actually need space to calm down. Like there are right. adults who I want to talk it through right now and figure this out. And there are other adults who are like, okay, I really need some time for myself right now to process all this. And we're going to come back and talk about it. And kids can be the same way, right? Like some kids do not want you in their face trying to hug them. And they will actually try to push you away or hit you if you yes. are in their face and trying to validate them and hug them. Because that's what some gentle parenting accounts are actually saying to do in these situations. And I'm like, guys, for some kids that works, but for a lot of kids, that's going to actually make it worse. So yeah. And listen, so not even just some kids, it's like some situations, like you could have one kid yeah. and one time the verbalization oh, works. And yeah. then I've been there, right. My son's three yeah. and we had it where verbalization works. The other time, like you said, you're just quiet or you mm-hmm. say, Hey, I'm here if you need me. Otherwise take a moment and I'm here when you're ready. That's yeah, it. And like, that, is, yeah. that is the nuance that is getting completely yes. missed in this conversation. Is it even the same child in different situations? Yeah. You have to apply different tools. Yeah. tools. And that's why it's so important not to take something that's a really mm-hmm. important and useful tool for some families out of the toolkit and vilify it completely needlessly. Now, talking about those situations where I would not use timeout, I would never advocate for using timeout for things like you didn't finish your dinner. You didn't clean up your toys. Yeah you know, you didn't brush your teeth. So if you come back to like thinking about the hierarchy, like natural consequences, right? Like there's no way to connect that behavior with the the discipline. Whereas mm-hmm. when you're using timeouts for self-regulation and calm down purposes, it actually is a natural consequence, right? I'm right. out of control. Therefore, the natural consequence is I have to go to timeout because I got to calm my body down because I can't, you know, talk or be around others safely when I'm this out of control. 
So it's not only a timeout, but it's also a natural consequence for those sort of situations. So that's what I would sort of think about critically when you are, you know, thinking if you're going to apply or not. I would not use it for non-compliance. Like that's not something I think is generally useful. So like if a kid is talking back to you or if they're refusing to do something, I think there are other tools you can use first before resorting to timeout. And I wouldn't generally recommend it. I recommend timeouts being used sparingly as needed, not excessively. And in terms of location, I mean, there's always some, you know, that's another thing that I see a lot of, oh gosh, Jenica, I've seen so much. So we do not want to put them in a dark room on their own where they can't access light. We don't no. want to put them outside in the cold. I'm telling oh, you, like, no. oh my gosh, I'm like, oh, wow. Here. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, hey, so, uh, this is not so, like, where is it oh, happening? Okay. So, first it, first, yeah. it has to be a safe space, yes. right? You need to have a space and also where a dysregulated kid, things can become projectiles very easily, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you don't want to have things that are delicate or sharp or that are going to, you know, hurt them if they decide they want to kick them over or something, right? And I think the hard part here is also is what's developmentally appropriate. So for a younger toddler, you're not going to want to have them go upstairs to their room. But for a teenager, that could be a timeout, you know, essentially for a tween that works pretty well, you know, go to your room, let's calm down and then we'll talk about it later, that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. the biggest thing I would say is that there are different sort of considerations. And so some people like to use like a calm down corner, or some people will have like a calm down kit. Some people will have a chair, you know, in the corner or a beanbag. And I definitely am a, a huge fan of using sort of sensory toys in timeout, as long as they're not like highly preferred, meaning something that would essentially be a reward. Yes. Right. Because if you're noticing that, gosh, you know, they're doing more stuff so that I'm putting them in timeout more often, chances are whatever's happening in timeout is reinforcing that. And that's why it's happening more often. Right. So sort of boring, quote unquote, sensory stuff. So not stuff that's like highly preferred or desired super interesting, but you do have to have proximity and attention removed from the parents. So there's lots of different ways that that can be achieved. It depends also on your child because for some folks, putting them across the room where they're, you know, facing the corner or something that will work for others. It doesn't actually work and they need to be, you know, in the room right next to it or something. But I always say, you know, safety first, make sure that, you know, your space is set up to do it. And also, how you talk about that space is really important. Like, don't call it the naughty chair. Don't call it yeah. the naughty stair. Just say, this is your calm down space, right? Just again, this is not punitive. It's not, and you don't want to do this in a shaming way. It's really just to promote self-regulation when all else has failed. So there's a little bit more leniency there, but the hard part again is that if you're having to go in and give them attention you know, to keep them in there and things like that, like that's going to make it harder. And obviously there's a learning curve when you're first sort of teaching them about timeouts and things where that's going to happen more often. But once they get it, they get it. But the other important part that folks sort of miss out on with this is that a lot of folks will say, oh, well, you set the timer for how many minutes for their age? And that's actually incorrect. So the biggest part about timeout is that the timeout ends when they've calmed down. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes can take longer, sometimes can take shorter. 
that's really actually what the marker should be, not like a set predetermined amount of time. Well, yeah, because the time, obviously, then it's like, well, if they're still upset after that one minute or two minutes of age, then of course you have to wait. Like, so it's like the time really doesn't, yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't always work in the setting of you can't time how long they're going to be upset for. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Like how long they're going to be dysregulated. Yeah. And like the other thing here is that a timeout should never be given sort of as a I'm angry and we're just going to throw this at you, right? Like a timeout really needs to be taught and talked about before. Mm -hmm. So it's something that you teach when they are calm. Like, hey, you know, I noticed earlier today, this morning, you were having a really tough time calming your body down. You know, you threw yourself to the floor and were kicking and screaming for a while because, you know, your brother was playing with your favorite truck. In the future, if that happens and you're having a trouble calming your body like that, we're going to do something called timeout, which is a space that you can use to calm your body down, to have the time and space you need where you're not going to hurt yourself or somebody else. And it's like it's sort of something like that where you're teaching them what it is, because I can't think of anything more disorienting to a young child than being sort of put somewhere away from your parents with no explanation, no forewarning. Yeah. I mean, that's the sort of thing where I'm like, that gives timeouts a bad name. But that's the sort of stuff that we want to dispel here is that if you do them properly, there's not going to be harm. Longitudinal studies have shown this, like they're not going to, you know, cause harm. They're not going to cause trauma. They're not going to cause attachment issues. And I have all of this literature highlighted in my Instagram stories under timeouts, by the way. Mm -hmm. So if your listeners want to go in and they actually want to read, you know, snippets of the research on timeouts, which ironically, it has such a strong evidence base. It's considered boring. And a lot of research journals will no longer publish on timeouts because it's considered obvious at this point that its benefits outweigh the risks when done properly. It's like not even really being researched as much anymore because it is so supported by, you know, decades and decades and hundreds and hundreds of studies at this point. But I do have a lot of the literature there for the folks who are concerned that it could cause some sort of harm. So you guys can sort of read up on that there. And I think that's really the biggest takeaway here is that, you know, making sure that you learn how to do it correctly. And I think changing the narrative about uh, timeouts, when you see that they're being sort of blanket statement as a bad thing, you know, saying, hey, this is an important tool for some parents. Let's not Mm -hmm. shame parents because all kids are different and one size fits all approaches don't work. So instead of taking down folks who really rely on this and need this and their kids benefit from this and making them feel like they're bad parents, you know, let's all be a little bit more understanding. Oh, I love it. That was actually a great final message, by the way. I love that how you wrap that up. Is there anything else that you'd want to add for everyone listening today? Uh, I think at the end of the day, if something is sounding like it doesn't make a lot of sense to you, like let's say, and this actually came up for one of like the largest parenting accounts the other day where they were actually advocating for the parent. If the parent is feeling too dysregulated, and that's, I think, another important part that I'll come back to after I finish this, but if the parent was feeling too dysregulated to deal with their child in that moment, that they could take a short like couple minute break with time and space away from their kid. But this is also a count who is very anti-timeout. And I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're saying on one hand, you can do a timeout because the parent needs it, but it's still the same thing. You're still resulting in the proximity of the parent, the attention of the parent being taken away from that child when they are dysregulated. (laughs) And you're saying that's good and do that. But if the child (laughs) is dysregulated, you're not allowed to do that. 
And I'm like, they're still in the same end result, right? You're still having the same consequence, which is the removal of attention and proximity to parent. So if you're seeing things that don't make sense and make you go, hmm, that's, you know, typically something that I would say might not be, um, you know, based on any sort of actual evidence. Again, we don't have any literature that supports saying that timeouts are ineffective or harm kids unless they're done inappropriately, which, right. um, you know, we talked again, about, yeah. we talked about. And I, I do want to say, you know, this doesn't just apply for if your kid is dysregulated. This also applies if you as a parent are dysregulated. You're just going to do it differently, right? You're not going to put the kid in, you know, timeout space. You might leave the room. And that's the same sort of situation, essentially, right? So you're still taking a timeout. It just is done a little bit differently. And it's much more effective if you're able to, you know, step in and regulate yourself and then come back to that situation than you getting upset and sort of joining the Yes. And then it's just going to feed off of each other and make it worse. So, you know, at the end of the day, I always say, look for the nuance, follow your gut. If something sounds off or you're like, hmm, this doesn't make sense, then chances are it's probably being used to sell you something in a way that is not helpful. So I always say buyer beware, check, you know, the credentials of the people who you are following, who are making these recommendations, check their motivations. Are they saying that, hey, this is a problem. Oh, hey, here's a solution, but you have to pay me to get it. Chances are they're, you know, sort of blowing smoke up you know where. So take that with a grain of salt, if you will, but check your follows. And also the folks who are sort of better tend to have more nuance on these. And they'll say something like, hey, timeouts are good to use if your family feels like you Mm -hmm. would benefit from it. Or timeouts are good if they're done properly and not in a shaming mat, right? So like there's that sort of balanced messaging, I think, is really what you want to look out for when you're looking at some of these posts. And I think that's what obviously is missing on a lot of these posts. But um, that's sort of how you can sort of check out who you should or should not be going to for some of this parenting information. Jenica, always a pleasure. I completely love talking to you. I agree with what you're saying. And it's so nice to kind of hash this out and, you know, just chat about debunking the the mystery and around timeouts and how it's not all bad. And again, you have to do it the right way, which I love that we went over. Uh, where can people find you to stay connected? Yes. So you can find me on both Instagram and YouTube at Dr. Jenica. So D-R-J-E-N-I-C-K-A. And um, as I said, I have saved in my story highlights on Instagram, all of the research on timeouts. So if you want to learn more about what the science says about timeouts, head there and uh, feel free to DM me if you have questions. Thank you so much for joining me. It's always a pleasure. And I feel like we could have a whole podcast just me and you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. I'm in. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you again for everyone joining and tuning in today. If you love this episode and learn something new and just feel like you have added something to your tool belt, if you needed it in the way of timeouts, make sure you leave a review, call out Dr. Jenica and say how useful her information was because her information is always useful both here and on her Instagram channel. And I cannot wait to chat with another guest next week. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review, share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, TV. We'll talk to you soon.
no one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 